1: The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention
0: is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible lives is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word. Soapy Dollar.
1: Good evening to you. Hope you're somewhere very comfortable. Some of you are driving around South Texas. In ambulances and police cars and fire stations and night or evening jobs all across the city. You might be headed home across the streets and byways of San Antonio, across the highways of South Texas. Welcome to the Bible Live. Now we are reading through the book of Job. That's what we're doing these days. We do Job, and of course we jump the Psalms and the Proverbs because we read those each and every evening. We'll catch Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon following the book of Job, and then we'll go on back to the New Testament and pick up there, I believe, with the epistles to the Galatians, the Ephesians, and the Philippians. That's the way we do it. We make our way progressively through the Old and New Testaments, alternating back and forth between them. So we'll pick up tonight at Job chapter 6. As you know, the book of Job is this wonderful story in the first few chapters, and then The rest of the book is a conversation between Job and three or four friends who come to console him in his hour of grieving and difficulties. And then, of course, at the end of the book, God himself speaks his message to Job. Right now, our Wisdom and Worship segment, Psalm 97. God, our awesome conqueror, is also righteous and just. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest islands be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes forth before him and burns up all his foes. His lightning flashes out across the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens declare his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Those who worship idols are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods. For every god must bow to him. Jerusalem has heard and rejoiced. And all the cities of Judah are glad because of your justice, Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love God hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Light shines on the godly and joy on those who do right. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. End of reading, Psalm
0: 97. Be
1: You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
0: These are the words I say.
1: Be strong in the Lord. I think of Joshua when I hear that particular phrase. But all through the scriptures we're admonished to hold on, keep on, persist. Don't ever give up. Don't take your hand off the plow. God is at work and the victory indeed will be ours. Beautiful psalm tonight, this Psalm 97. We don't know who wrote it, but I like the phrase righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. And his righteousness and his justice will conquer all, victorious over all wickedness and all evil. Maybe not in this world, and this time. To See, there's something else going on in this world. It's harvest time. Souls are being harvested for eternity. The family of God is being formed as men and women, boys and girls all over planet Earth discover the God of Scripture, the true and living God, and they hear about His love for us in sending His own Son to take our punishment harvest time. That's what's going on now, but someday God will make all things right. Well, let's go into the story of Job. Chapter 6 is where we're going to pick up. Job is a series of conversations between this man who has suffered so much. He has lost his ten children, his homes, his possessions, his herds, his own health. He sits now with boils and sores upon him. He's in terrible pain constantly. His friends have come to speak with him. But their particular perspective is that, Job, you are suffering because you're sinful. Job knows that it's not true. And we know it's not true because we know the background that God is indeed allowing Job's faith to be tested by Satan himself. Job is going to grow through this experience. And his friends, those who observe him, are going to grow and be impacted as well by Job going through these hardships. Job chapter 6 on the Bible life. Job 6:1 through 11:20. Job 6. Then Job spoke again, If my sadness could be weighed and my troubles put on the scales, they would be heavier than all the sands of the sea. That is why I spoke so rashly, for the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. He has sent his poisoned arrows deep within my spirit. All God's terrors are arrayed against me. Don't I have a right to complain? While donkeys bray when they find no green grass, and oxen low when they have no food. People complain when there is no salt in their food, and how tasteless is the uncooked white of an egg. My appetite disappears when I look at it. I gag at the thought of eating it. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant my hope. I wish he would crush me, I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. At least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. But I do not have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. Do I have strength as hard as a stone? Is my body made of bronze? No, I am utterly helpless, without any chance of success. One should be kind to a fainting friend, but you have accused me without the slightest fear of the Almighty. My brother, you have proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook that overflows its banks in the spring when it is swollen with ice and melting snow. But when the hot weather arrives, the water disappears. The brook vanishes in the heat. The caravans turn aside to be refreshed, but there is nothing there to drink, and so they perish in the desert." With high hopes, the caravans from Tama and from Sheba stop for water, but finding none, their hopes are dashed. You too have proved to be of no help. You have seen my calamity, and you are afraid. But why? Have I ever asked you for a gift? Have I begged you to use any of your wealth on my behalf? Have I ever asked you to rescue me from my enemies? Have I asked you to save me from ruthless people? All I want is a reasonable answer. Then I will keep quiet. Tell me, what have I done wrong? Honest words are painful, but what do your criticisms amount to? Do you think your words are convincing when you disregard my cry of desperation? You would even send an orphan into slavery or sell a friend. Look at me. Would I lie to your face? Stop assuming my guilt, for I am righteous. Don't be so unjust. Do you think I am lying? Don't I know the difference between right and wrong?
0: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Job 7. Is this not the struggle of all humanity? A person's life is long and hard, like that of a hired hand, like a worker who longs for the day to end, like a servant waiting to be paid. I, too, have been assigned months of futility, Long and weary nights of misery. When I go to bed, I think, when will it be morning? But the night drags on, and I toss till dawn. My skin is filled with worms and scabs. My flesh breaks open, full of pus. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, flying back and forth. They end without hope. O God, remember that my life is but a breath, and I will never again experience pleasure. You see me now, but not for long. Your eyes will be on me, but I will be dead. Just as a cloud dissipates and vanishes, those who die will not come back. They are gone forever from their home, never to be seen again. I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my anguish. I must complain in my bitterness. Am I a sea monster that you place a guard on me? If I think, my bed will comfort me, and I will try to forget my misery with sleep. You shatter me with dreams. You terrify me with visions. I would rather die of strangulation than go on and on like this. I hate my life. I do not want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for these few remaining days. What are mere mortals that you should make so much of us? For you examine us every morning and test us every moment. Why won't you leave me alone even for a moment? Have I sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of all humanity? Why have you made me your target? Am I a burden to you? Why not just pardon my sin and take away my guilt? For soon I will lie down in the dust and die. When you look for me, I will be gone. Job 8. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied to Job, How long will you go on like this? Your words are a blustering wind. Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what is right? Your children obviously sinned against Him, so their punishment was well deserved. But if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, if you are pure and live with complete integrity, He will rise up and restore your happy home. And though you started with little, you will end with much. Just ask the former generation. Pay attention to the experience of our ancestors. For we were born but yesterday, and know so little. Our days on earth are as transient as a shadow. But those who came before us will teach you. They will teach you from the wisdom of former generations. Can papyrus reeds grow where there is no marsh? Can bulrushes flourish where there is no water? while they are still flowering not ready to be cut they begin to wither such is the fate of all who forget god the hope of the godless comes to nothing everything they count on will collapse they are leaning on a spider web they cling to their home for security but it won't last they try to hold it fast but it will not endure the godless seems so strong Like a lush plant growing in the sunshine, its branches spreading across the garden. Its roots grow down through a pile of rocks to hold it firm. But when it is uprooted, it isn't even missed. That is the end of its life, and others spring up from the earth to replace it. But look, God will not reject a person of integrity, nor will he make evildoers prosper. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the tent of the wicked will be destroyed.
0: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Job 9. Then Job spoke again. Yes, I know this is all true in principle, but how can a person be declared innocent in the eyes of God? If someone wanted to take God to court, would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? For God is so wise and so mighty, who has ever challenged him successfully without warning he moves the mountains overturning them in his anger he shakes the earth from its place and its foundations tremble if he commands it the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine he alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the ways of the sea he made all the stars the bear orion the pleiades and the constellations of the southern sky his great works are too marvellous to understand he performs miracles without number yet when he comes near i cannot see him when he moves on i do not see him go if he sends death to snatch someone away who can stop him who dares to ask him what are you doing and god does not restrain his anger The mightiest forces against him are crushed beneath his feet. And who am I that I should try to answer God, or even reason with him? Even if I were innocent, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him, and he responded, he would never listen to me. For he attacks me without reason, and he multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not let me catch my breath, but fills me instead with bitter sorrows. As for strength, he has it. As for justice, who can challenge him? Though I am innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. Though I am blameless, it would prove me wicked. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. Innocent or wicked, it is all the same to me. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. He laughs when a plague suddenly kills the innocent. The whole earth is in the hands of the wicked, and God blinds the eyes of the judges and lets them be unfair. If not he, then who? My life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away, filled with tragedy. It disappears like a swift boat, like an eagle that swoops down on its prey. If I decided to forget my complaints, if I decided to end my sadness and be cheerful, I would dread all the pain he would send. For I know you will not hold me innocent, O God. Whatever happens, I will be found guilty. So what's the use of trying? Even if I were to wash myself with soap and cleanse my hands with lye to make them absolutely clean, you would plunge me into a muddy ditch, and I would be so filthy my own clothing would hate me. God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there were a mediator who could bring us together, but there is none. The mediator could make God stop beating me, and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength.
0: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Job 10. I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, Don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you are bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the work of your own hands, while sending joy and prosperity to the wicked? Are your eyes only those of a human? Do you see things as people see them? Is your lifetime merely human? Is your life so short that you are in a hurry to probe for my guilt, to search for my sin? Although you know I am not guilty, no one can rescue me from your power. You formed me with your hands. You made me, and yet you completely destroy me. Remember that I am made of dust. Will you turn me back to dust so soon? You guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. Yet your real motive, I know this was your intent, was to watch me, and if I sinned, you would not forgive my iniquity. If I am guilty, too bad for me. And even if I am innocent, I am filled with shame and misery so that I can't hold my head high. And if I hold my head high... You hunt me like a lion and display your awesome power against me. Again and again you witness against me. You pour out an ever-increasing volume of anger upon me and bring fresh armies against me. Why then did you bring me out of my mother's womb? Why didn't you let me die at birth? Then I would have been spared this miserable existence. I would have gone directly from the womb to the grave. I have only a little time left, so leave me alone, that I may have a little moment of comfort before I leave for the land of darkness and utter gloom, never to return. It is a land as dark as midnight, a land of utter gloom where confusion reigns, and the light is as dark as midnight. Job 11. Then Zophar the Naamathite replied to Job, Shouldn't someone answer this torrent of words? is a person proven innocent just by talking a lot should i remain silent while you babble on when you mock god shouldn't someone make you ashamed you claim my teaching is pure and i am clean in the sight of god if only god would speak if only he would tell you what he thinks if only he would tell you the secrets of wisdom for true wisdom is not a simple matter listen god is doubtless punishing you far less than you deserve can you solve the mysteries of god can you discover everything there is to know about the almighty such knowledge is higher than the heavens but who are you it is deeper than the underworld what can you know in comparison to him it is broader than the earth and wider than the sea if god comes along and puts a person in prison or if he calls the court to order who is going to stop him For he knows those who are false, and he takes note of all their sins. An empty-headed person won't become wise any more than a wild donkey can bear human offspring. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten in innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. It will all be gone like water under the bridge. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Any darkness will be as bright as morning. You will have courage because you will have hope. You will be protected and will rest in safety. You will lie down unafraid and many will look to you for help. But the wicked will lose hope. They have no escape. Their hope becomes despair. End of reading, Job 6-1-1120. Have you ever been accused of something you really, truly, honestly did not do? It can be pretty frustrating, (laughs) especially if you cannot readily, in a moment, clearly demonstrate the falsehood, if you cannot prove you're innocent in a moment. That's where Job finds himself. All three of his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, we have heard from the three of them now, all three of his friends make the mistake of assuming that Job has committed some great sin that is causing his suffering. Now, neither they nor Job know what we know. <laughs> they don't know of Satan's conversation with God that we've read about in chapters 1 and 2. It's human nature to blame people for their own troubles. To some degree, that may even be correct. Most of our wounds in life might be self-inflicted, but Job's story makes it clear That blame cannot always be attached to those whom trouble strikes. We should be very slow to be in the blame game. It's hard to do sometimes, especially in the times like we live where people try to avoid at all costs personal responsibility. Now, Eliphaz here in the opening chapters said it was good to be disciplined by God for wrongdoing And that is a true statement, but it didn't apply to Job's situation. He wasn't guilty of wrongdoing. We can glean a lot of ideas here about counseling. As we counsel, as we comfort, as we encourage others, we can get some ideas here. I I noted the first night as we began to read the story of Job, how his friends came and sat in silence for a week before saying anything. I felt like that was a very good thing, not to come in quickly with words and explanations But just to be there, to give that human contact, that human support, to be there on his behalf. Sometimes words do get in the way. Sometimes when people are going through severe trials, ill-advised counsel is distasteful, especially if it's not hitting the target. They may listen politely, but inside they are upset. We should be slow to give advice to those who are hurting. We must have in some way earned almost the opportunity by our love to speak into their lives. In his grief, Job wants to give in. He wants to escape the pain. He simply wants to die. But God does not grant his request. He has a greater plan for Job. Sometimes we, too, want to give up. We want to get out of the situation to trust God in the good times is commendable, but to trust him during difficult times, well, that's the real test of our limits. That's when we truly can exercise faith, trusting God when the time is tough. I was telling someone recently about learning to trust God in the middle of the trial. I'm awfully good at having a trial, and I get all discouraged, and I get down in the dumps, and I pray, oh, God, help me, help me, and then God does work. I gain the victory, I come out of the problem, and I'm so happy. Then I'm ready to trust God and thank God, but all of a sudden it occurred to me, why didn't I thank God and praise God and trust God even when the things were rough? I call that my faith gap. The gap between when things go wrong, the crisis comes upon me, and how long does it take me to come to faith, to victory, to trusting God? And usually it has to wait till the problem's over. Are we able to trust God even in the midst of the problem? That's what we see Job is actually able to do. If Job's losses were his first test, loss of his children and possessions, and his painful boils, his physical problems, the second test of his faith... I would say his friends provided a third and perhaps the most frustrating test of his faith. When Job finally did get around to venting his grief and his sadness, each of his friends seemed to be just taking turns attempting to explain his agony. They hear Job's questions as arrogance, claiming not to deserve such suffering, rather than expressions of deep grief and misunderstanding. The harder Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar tried to explain Job's suffering, the less they seemed to help. Friendship requires great patience.
0: The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax deductible gift to the Bible Live. Post Office Box 18888 That's The Bible Live PO Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website thebiblelive.com Now don't forget